Hi, this is Jim Lyon. You're listening to Viewpoint. With me today, my Christmas buddy, Jay Harvey. Oh, Jim, so good to be with you. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas right back at you. I know you love this Christmas gig so much as I do, Jay. Yes. I'm so glad to have you alongside. And uh, as we think about Christmas, I mean, I'm ready for my wife's, like, pumpkin pie. Mm. She makes it so fine, let me tell yes. you. And I'm ready to have all of my sons are coming home this year for Christmas from four different states. Awesome. They're all converge to the house with their wives and my grandchildren. Oh, oh, wow. There's so much to celebrate. But wait a minute. Over all that Christmas celebration stuff, there's one thing that you and I both love. What's underscoring it? There's a clue. Underscoring oh, it. The, the Christmas music. The music. Come on. I mean, think about music, how it's spoken into the Christmas experience. Now, there's secular music, like yep. my granddaughter's in Tchaikovsky's Nutcracker Ballet. Mm-hmm. Now, that's a seasonal piece. Sure. Uh, it's not really a Jesus piece, right. that whole Christ and Christmas thing, but it still celebrates the the wonder of the season. We have songs like uh, Silver Bells and right. Chestnuts Roasting Over Open Fire. I mean, there's all kinds of melodies that are Christmas music that kind of warm the heart. Ah, but boy, there's also music that's really at the foundation of Christmas that captures the story, doesn't it? Yes. There is something different about a true carol that brings hope at this time of year. And of all the carols that I think speak about hope and life and actually connect the Christmas celebration to its history. It's a famous tune written in the 1860s and a, and a verse by Phillips Brooks, who was a pastor in Philadelphia. And it's called, O Little Town of Bethlehem.
O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. So the words go famously in this carol. It's so beautiful. And Brooks wrote this carol himself after he was in a very low point in his life when he had been pastoring through the Civil War in the United States. His ministry was consumed by comforting families who had lost sons on the field of battle or came home without legs or arms. I mean, there was so much tragedy and so much loss and the conflict that spanned so many long, difficult years. And exhausted, his church sent him on a big sabbatical trip, you might say. And think about this. He goes from the United States to the Holy Land, and he finds himself at Bethlehem on a Christmas Eve. And in this experience, he's so moved by it, he comes home and he writes this song. Because there's something about the historic reality Mm -hmm. of the Christmas narrative that gives it life. This is not just mythology. The story of the birth of Christ is not just some kind of random tale, an Aesop's fable. It's actually grounded in places, in time, real events, and real people. And this whole idea of Bethlehem is a big piece of it. Let's talk a little bit about Bethlehem and why that matters in the Christmas story. Sounds good. As you're listening to Viewpoint today, we want you to know we're always glad to hear from you. You can give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week on a toll-free line. That's 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. Every minute, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, we're on the phone live to talk to you. Give us a call. I'll give you the number again at the end of the program, but we want you to know We do love hearing from you. Bethlehem. O little town of Bethlehem goes the tune. We know that Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, so says the scripture. There's some history to that place, though, isn't there, Jay? For instance, way, way before Jesus was born, centuries before he was born, there was a prophet named Micah who actually gave us a heads up. Where is this Messiah, this Son of God, this amazing Lord of Lords and King of Kings, where is he going to show up? And he tells us, it's in the fifth chapter of Micah. What does it say? Jim, it says, uh, in, starting in verse 2, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from old, from ancient times. That is just one of my favorite phrases when, when I read God's Word. And, and we took, you took me back to it today to, ha- to read this part of the Scripture and I, I have it underlined in my Bible, but when, when Micah says, whose origins are from old, from ancient times, it, it still gives me goosebumps because this is the providence of God. This is the divine appointment of God. And he's telling us centuries before where and what is going to happen. And it's just so powerful. And it reflects the power of God to organize history and to govern time in such a way as to bring his will into being at just exactly, not just at the right time, but also in the right place. He chose an address. Exactly. And he chose it long before the (laughs) events took place. There's an important lesson here. We'll come back to it. Now, let's skip ahead to the New Testament. This is Matthew telling the story of Jesus' birth. This is Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And at that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? 
We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. Pause. We have some people. They're from far away. They've seen a star in the heavens, another supernatural sign. They didn't get the memo about Bethlehem. They've showed up at the capital of the place, Jerusalem, wondering, right. hey, where's the king? Where's, where's this <laughs> persona that obviously is some big deal? We're looking for him. The scripture continues. King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. Well, Herod was disturbed because he was afraid he was going to lose his throne to some, exactly. some newborn. He called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? See, even Herod, who was not a believer, got this. There's something going on here. Right. And actually, the God, this God thing, has power beyond what I can know. Did he forecast where the Messiah is coming? Right. In Bethlehem in Judea the scholars said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And then they quoted from Micah, just as you had read. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you, who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Wow. What more does it say? Well, it goes on to say in verse 7, then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, go and make a careful search for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Verse 9, after they had heard the king, they went on their way, and the star that they had seen in the east went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, of incense, and of myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. The song you just heard is called Nigh Bethlehem. It's one of the famous Burt Carols, a family that produced carols every year for Christmas as gifts to their friends and their church, beginning in the year 1922 and lasting all the way through 1954. And this carol, 
speaks about what happened in Bethlehem. Nigh Bethlehem on a wintry night, Noel, 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 poor shepherds saw a lovely sight when angel hosts in vesture bright burst forth from heaven's lofty height and sang Noel, Noel. Noel is an ancient French word which speaks about this good news, the gospel coming forward. And all of this reflects again the centrality of Bethlehem and the lessons we can draw from that this Christmas. One of which is God knows what is to be. He has plans and his plans are good. There are forces in this world that oppose the plan of God, but God will always see his plans through. And our privilege is to cooperate with his plans. So think about this. He appoints Bethlehem long before Jesus is born as the place. Bethlehem is an historic place. It has many stops in the narrative of God's revelation. It's a place that means house of bread. It's the place where Ruth in the Old Testament comes to find refuge when there's a famine in her own land of Moab. It's there she marries and settles down and begins a family line that will give birth to David. This is Bethlehem, the city of David. And so in Luke we read, And it came to pass that in those days there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed, and each went into his own city to register for the census, and Joseph also went up out of Nazareth in Galilee, which is where he lived, to where? To Bethlehem in Judea, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So hundreds of years later, this whole thread of history is still governed by God. The emperor in Rome is issuing a tax decree, which God is using to bring to pass what he prophesied and willed long ago. Bethlehem is going to be it. The house of bread, the city of of David, uh, just outside Rachel is buried from another patriarchal age. I mean, this is, this is really sacred ground and God has chosen it for Jesus to be born. Hmm. I'm wondering in my own life, what has God chosen? Buy things and think that maybe they're a little too modest or maybe that's not so cool. Uh, but by God has appointed me to be in times and places. This providence of God is a lesson of Christmas and Jesus illustrates it to the max, but we should all be encouraged. The Lord's walking ahead of us, and he's got things laid down. Right. Oh, but now you just told us about the wise men. Right. Jay, we were reading about how the wise men got this word that the baby was in Bethlehem, and they were pure right. in their intent, and they went to find Jesus, and they found him. And right? they found him. That's right. Uh, we've got another character in that story in Matthew, though. That's King Herod. He gets the same news but he's not willing to cooperate with the will of God. He's gonna do it by his own terms. He has to protect himself. His throne is too important, his money, his station, his power. He's threatened by the prospect of a new king. He's gonna order the murder of innocent children just to protect himself. It seems over the top, but we know the world runs that way. Exactly. And what we have in this story is the providence of God, God's plan, Bethlehem's gonna be the place, I'm going to bring the Savior of the world into that place. It's going to happen at this time, and it's going to be governed by my hand. It's going to be protected by me. Even Herod and all his armies aren't going to be able to interrupt it. They can make it a mess up, but they're not going to stop me from getting my son there. And the wise men and the shepherds also in Luke's narrative, they cooperate with the plan of God. They don't fight the plan of God. They cooperate and say, wow, what can we do? Let's give our lives as an offering. But Herod, as a type of people who just hear the story and hear the news, but they're saying, no way, I'm not buying it. I'm still going to control my universe. And of course, they will find in their own folly, sadness at the end. I find often that when I read these stories again, that I still 
see parts of myself in characters that I don't want to. When, when, I, when I read even how Herod said, um, go, go find him and report to me so that I may also go and, and worship him, which we know was a deception. And, and I often find that when I'm having trouble seeing Jesus or, or cooperating with him, I try to manipulate my way back to him. When what you're saying and, and what scripture tells us is to just go along, to purify yourself, to say, Lord, I admit I need to be pure. I need to be honest with myself in order to see you. I need to just go with your divine flow, so to speak, and and not make it so difficult, which means I might have to let some things go in my life. I maybe shouldn't hold on to this power that I think I have or or, or this or, or that, and it's gotten me off course. And so w- when I see Herod say that, it just struck me again that oftentimes I want to do things, but I don't want to do them the way that God wants me to, which is just to relieve um, all of the things in my life, like pride, uh, ego, uh, accomplishments, lay them all down once again, and I begin to see him clearly. And then I'm cooperating, because that's really how you cooperate best. And maybe another way to summarize those thoughts, Jay, so excellent, is that just surrendering to the Word. Exactly. The Word set this all up. And we are also, in a way, set up by the Word. And the word is true, and the word will be so, and it will be proved true. And that Messiah is going to be born in Bethlehem. And you know what? You may live in Galilee, but you're going to be there. All of it works together when you surrender into the truth and the power of God's word revealed to us. There is life. Yes. Herod doesn't get it. And Herod's own paranoia unleashes a reign of terror in Bethlehem. It's so sad and tragic. Another tragedy actually forecast in prophecy about the sound of children crying and, and the sound of mothers weeping over their lost ones in Bethlehem. And Herod's paranoia and the darkness and the fear and the insecurity that is so much a part of our world today can stalk us all. But wait a minute, Christmas is a doorway of hope because for all of that, there's still this thread of life and hope and the power of God that's going to redeem. And Batesburg was an Anglican pastor, an Episcopal minister in Pontiac, Michigan in 1947. And with his son, Alfred, who was a young man then and a great musician in his own right, they crafted this song we just heard called Night Bethlehem. And they understood in those years, 1940s, right after World War II had ended, but the world was in chaos. It was in devastation. It was dark. There was hope that peace might have arrived, but now Korea is going to be aflame in conflict soon. And all of the darkness and confusion and the disorientation, it was a time of darkness. And yet, as they recalled those days in Bethlehem, they wrote these words at the close. So Christian folk put fear aside, Noel, 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 and spread the gospel far and wide that joy be great at Christmas tide and God in Christ be magnified, then sing Noel, Noel. Mm. And our invitation to all of you today listening is to don't let the fear and the darkness and all of those who do not cooperate with the will of God, don't let that stop you from, like the wise men, making your way to Bethlehem, so to speak. Find a church this Christmas Eve and go kneel before the newborn king. Find a group of believers who also honor Jesus this Christmas and be a part. Give yourself over to the worship and the following and the lordship of the newborn king. And there you will put fear aside and God in Christ will be magnified and you will find a doorway of hope. I promise you will. How to get started? Start right now. Pray with us.
Our Father in heaven, we're so thankful today for the Christmas time, for the birth of Jesus, which has forever altered the course of human events. We're thankful, Lord, for the way in which when we see Jesus, we see you. Mm. And we're thankful for his birth, arranged, predestined from the dawn of time. We're thankful for Bethlehem. We pray, Lord, that that place might know some peace this Christmas. But we pray that Bethlehem, which is a speck on the map, might represent more to all of us, that it might represent your providence and your sovereignty and your capacity to affect your will and to do good. And Lord, I pray that you'll call into our hearts to cooperate with your will, to make a choice, each of us, that we want to be surrendered into your will, knowing that it leads to life. And in that pursuit, in that surrender, may we bow before Jesus Christ and may we find ourselves born again and empowered to be light in this dark world as well. Thank you for hearing our prayer, and I pray, Lord, that every person who is in prayer with me right now will be impressed with a place, a house of worship, a group of believers they might meet with this Christmas time to worship that newborn king. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Free 
If you'd like to know more about anything we've talked about in this program, give us a call. And wait a minute. If you'd like to know how you could visit Bethlehem, give us a call about that too, because I promise you in January of 2020, we're going to take a group of people to Bethlehem and throughout the Holy Land. And we always start at the dawn of the year in January when the Orthodox Christmas is celebrated. So you can be in Bethlehem at Christmas time on January 6th on the Eastern calendar. And that way you get to taste Bethlehem at Christmas time. We'd love for you to join us. So if you have a question about what you've heard or you want information about our Holy Land adventure, give us a call. This is the number toll free, 1-800-757-VIEW. That's 1-800-757-8439. We're always by the phone 24-7. We want to hear from you. Jay, if someone wanted to go online, what would they type in as our web address? Well, they would type in www.cbhviewpoint.org. That's CBH, Christians Broadcasting Hope. That's who we are, viewpoint.org. Read about the ministry there and send us an email. We will reply. Or at the last, send me a letter. Address it to Jim Lyon, Viewpoint, Post Office Box 2420, Anderson, Indiana, 46018, USA. But whether you go online, send a letter by the post, or call us up, let us hear from you this week. Jay Harvey. Merry Christmas once more. Thanks for being with us. Merry Christmas. You have put me in the mood to go home, sit by the fire, and listen to some carols. I'm for it. And we hope you'll do the same. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you'll be with us again next week as we continue our walk to Christmas and we'll walk through some of the greatest music ever written for all of us at the Viewpoint Ministry team, for all of us at Church of God Ministries, which is the host of our broadcast. This is Jim Lyon. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas.